Welcome to the UK Ravens podcast, the only official, unofficial Baltimore Ravens podcast from the United Kingdom. Okay, strap in everyone, because this is going to be a pretty depressing one. 41-21, defeat by the Cincinnati Bengals. Welcome back to the UK Ravens podcast. My name is Gaz Paul, and I'm once again joined by my friends who I met on the internet, Ben Mortimer, Ian Domain, Shane Richmond, and James Ogden. Shane, I'm going to come straight to you. How was your Christmas? Let's go, let's start there. Well, Christmas was a bit weird because everybody was in isolation. Uh, I was testing negative, so I had to well, more or less the run of the house, but there was just not really anybody around. So that was a bit bizarre. There were There was some football on. So, you know, here in in the US, the time difference wasn't a problem. So I could watch a couple of fairly bad games on Christmas night, but uh, nothing compared to the really bad game on, on Sunday. Yes, we're going to come back to your tweeting on Sunday. We've got some, <laughs> we have to talk about that at some point. Ian, how was your Christmas, buddy? Yeah, Christmas was good. It was nice and quiet, just just me and the wife. Um, so that was, that was enjoyable. As Shane said, watched, watched a little bit of football. Um, wish I'd, I'd watched a little bit less, if I'm honest. <laughs> James? Yeah, good Christmas, thank you. Uh, this was the first game I didn't get to watch live this season, I think. Uh, but I have watched it back for the for the podcast, and yeah, it was it was a it was a good day not watching it live. <laughs> we, we, we're out on the town on a Boxing Day night. Yeah, something like that. No, I was I was in my I was in my car uh, for basically the most of the entirety of the game. Um, coming back from a football game from a soccer game. Soccer Sorry. game. Ben, how was the whole COVID isolation going? Was that Man City 6-3 match? That's quite a good match to come back from, isn't it? Um, Yeah, it was. was... (laughs) Yeah, well, well done. But being a City fan, at least you got some joy over the festive period. Um, (laughs) Mine was was okay. I came out of isolation at 11.59 on the, like a a drunken Santa uh, on on Christmas Eve and uh, managed to lay the mince pies and... Uh, and and uh, drink the Woodford Reserve that was left out. Oh no, sorry, Santa drank the Woodford Reserve that was left out. Um, so uh, yeah, Christmas is all right. And obviously, you know, watched. Uh, oh, and also, if, if, in case you're interested, did quite well at fantasy football this weekend as well. So cause I, I noticed it wasn't on Christmas the script. Could have could waited to squeeze that in. Could get you? it in there now. <laughs> <laughs> we should we should shout out as well, Ian, who's in the uh, final of the UK Ravens Dynasty League, uh, which is which was a big achievement from him. Wouldn't have mentioned well that. Well done, Ian. So Ian, so well you're done. in the final of the Dynasty League. I'm in the. I I just won the one that Ian doesn't care about that he set up as commissioner of, um, <laughs> and I'm in the final of my money league this week. Thanks in no small part to Mr. T Higgins. Oh wow! <laughs> oh, it was tough. Yeah. So my streak of being historically poor at predictions on this podcast continued last week as I heroically called out my victory over COVID and how my alcohol riddled body would never accept the disease into it only to test positive the following day. In fact, before the podcast even was released, I was already positive for COVID-19 and isolating at home. So Ben, I not joined you um, in person, but joined you mentally in being fully isolated for Christmas. So I too had to sit through, I say I sat through the game. I, I'm not going to lie, I watched the first half and then 
found a handful of better things to do rather than sit through the second half of this game. So with that in mind, let's go into the 41-21 to 21 defeat by the Bengals in Cincinnati. A game in which the Bengals players, fans and coaches seem to be enjoying way too much. It's almost like they've won the Super Bowl. We've got people posting on Instagram, waving the buses off. We've got the fans going mad as if they've won the entire thing and they've just beaten the Ravens backups backups. So when we did our predictions last week, we we ended the show saying, okay guys, let's predict it as if the game's happening today. So we unfortunately we're not going to have Lamar Jackson. We, we're going to be playing with Tyler Huntley. Let's all make our predictions. What we what none of us saw coming, which maybe should have seen coming, is that Tyler Huntley also wouldn't make the game and it would become the Josh Johnson show. We also had an array of um, Baltimore Ravens staff and groundskeepers playing cornerback for us to what turned into an overall Pretty ugly game. James, you didn't watch it live. How how do you feel overall about the game watching it back? Was it a skip-through game? Was it a, a sit-and-soak-it-all-in game? Um, I kind of like these games, but I, I I guess I like from a from a player evaluation perspective because I get to to see some guys that maybe I haven't seen all year and I get to 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 look at how well they played and and so I kind of it was a sit through and watch game, but it but it you know it was a difficult watch really. Um, this was not good. There were not a lot of redeeming features from this game. In a weird way, they had a better you know they were they it was almost a better matchup with the Packers at home to be able to scheme things because they have I think the Packers have weaknesses that that the Ravens could look to exploit like their receivers beyond De- Devontae Adams are are not particularly good receivers. Yeah, the Ravens could not use the approach they took with the Packers last <laughs> last week because Higgins and Boyd and Chase are all equally good and you can't focus on one of them. And as you saw this week, if you do focus on one, the other is going to absolutely torch you, um, especially if you've got the backup to the backup. So it does... It was a it was a tough watch. I, I do think you know the the 520 yards by Burrow and all of the stuff from the Bengals is a bit overblown. Like let's not forget that they have had a bit of a slump recently. Haven't looked like the same team. They match up extremely well with the Ravens anyway, so it's kind of expected. You know we did sort of expect this a little bit. So I'm not I'm not I'm not overly alarmed by the game. It just was a difficult watch, and you know we'll want to we'll want to go through it again. Yeah, absolutely. There's when we first started putting this podcast together, we we got a list from um, Laura at the Ravens of possible people who we could interview, and we all very quickly highlighted Brandon Williams, not the Brandon Williams, the um, defensive tackle, but the I think he's the head of the cheer team. Ian, is that right? Like I mean, that, yeah. we're we're almost at a point where Brandon Williams, the cheer team leader, was playing defensive tackle on Sunday, weren't we? <laughs> yeah, it, it, it was pretty crazy, wasn't it? When sort of late in the week when all the COVID news started hitting and, and players just started dropping like flies. And there was there was guys out there that I've no idea who they were. I'll be I'll be honest. Like I I I put my sort of Ravens knowledge up against most people's and there was people running around playing that I, I had no clue who they were. Um Shane was on the was on the Twitter this week. I'm sure most people would have seen that. And um he he's usually the sensible one out of the two of us, and 
his his very first tweet I think was Justin Tucker kicks off and and that's game over basically, and it, and then it sort of it went it went downhill from there. Um, so uh, it was it, let's write this one off. Yeah, it's, it it wasn't good. Okay, Shane. So before we actually get, in, I mean, what actual um, what what actually can we talk about from this game that is going to mean anything to anyone? It's the backups of the backups getting blown out by Cincinnati team. So so let's get into it. Boxing Day, what well, they had a few white wines at the lunchtime and <laughs> felt a bit sassy by the time the game kicked off, or or what was it? No, no, it was one o'clock here, and so I hadn't had anything to drink at that point, and uh, I, no, I just handled handled it with deep sarcasm, which is how I deal with all <laughs> unpleasant emotions, and uh, I think I ticked a lot of boxes. I did. You've got an empty trophy cabinet. You haven't won a playoff game in thirty years. Since, um, since Freddie Mercury died, which I thought since, was uh, a bit dark. <laughs> well, they were singing Bohemian Rhapsody. And that was the thing where I was like, wait a second, didn't, didn't Freddie Mercury die in 1991? That's the year they last won a playoff game. So that was just, it was like, it's an open goal. You can't pass that up, can you? <laughs> um, and I did your running back um, broke up woman's jaw when he punched her in the face. I did that one in the first quarter. <laughs> I feel like you've got to get the, get you know, do some of the hits early. <laughs> and then save stuff for for a bit later on. So um, play the hits. So yeah, there literally. was uh, yeah, there was at least Mixon one. Said. That's what Joe Mixon said. <laughs> Indeed, there was there was a little bit of. Uh, I think a couple of our Twitter followers were like, "This account's taking a strange attitude, given given that we knew how this was going to turn out." I was like, "What do you want me to do? Like serious analysis of what's going on? This is just just a bunch of amateurs getting kicked in the teeth repeatedly." So you know. Ben, what was the mood like on Facebook? I've I've not been really, I've I've really tried to keep off social media this week because mm. a I don't want to be depressed that everyone's out having a really nice time for Christmas time locked in the house and b there's nothing fun to talk about with the Ravens at the moment. Uh, I mean, before the game, there were um, I suppose it was surprisingly optimistic. I, I, I saw a lot of people post on both Twitter and Facebook that just seemed kind of not grounded in reality, their opinions of, hey, any given Sunday. And I'm like, no, we're going to get killed here. <laughs> when it became clear that we basically, I think once we got the um, the, the news that we were down to Josh Johnson um, and we basically didn't even have what I thought was a viable backup quarterback at that point, I just, I just, I, I didn't get angry. I just said, oh, well, I, I did say, oh, F this on Facebook. Uh, we, we're done. Let's just... Yeah, batten down the hatches. Let's get to the off season. I don't care anymore. I'm done. I stop the ride. I want to get off. And then by the following day, I'd calmed down a little bit to the point where I'd just gone, well, you know, I, I said we we're going to get blown out anyway in this game. So let's just uh, kind of sit back and see what happens. And but it, it, I think on Facebook, they've actually been apart from one particular dude that just seems to be he only pops up to basically he's only happy when it rains like garbage. <laughs> Um, he's not, I'm not saying he is garbage, it's the band garbage. <laughs> um, other than that, it was all quite upbeat still. I think people are realistic in, in the, you know, Ra- true Ravens fans know where we are with the number of people that we've got on IR or on COVID reserve. Uh, it's not a proper Ravens team, this. Uh, it's I, I think the, uh, the heart and the spirit and the fact that we've stayed in most games is a testimony to the coaching staff and the players that have, you know, managed to suit up every Sunday. But I think people are realistic that, you know, if it if it weren't for even half the injuries, we'd be probably winning comfortably the AFC North at the moment. 
And and James, for someone like yourself who does a lot of writing and a lot of looking into the Ravens, I know you tend to look forward rather than backwards, but what, if anything, can you take from a game like this or is it just a bury the ball and move on? I think for me, it's a look at guys who you wouldn't get to look at normally and it's a look at like who might... One thing that was interesting, I I thought, from this game was that Daryl Worley, um, who got uh, victimised a couple of times on, on a few throws was a guy who really competed hard and really played the run hard. He came up and made a few hits from his side. He was a really good force player, which is a cornerback that sort of sets the edge from the corner position sort of out wide and keeps everything funneled inside. I thought he played played quite well against it. It looked like, you know, a guy who's basically a journeyman who's been through eight to ten NFL teams, I think, um, in his career, having been a third-round pick. looked like he kind of... He kind of fit okay here. You know, maybe we can keep him around on a practice squad and he can come up and do a job in the future. But that's pretty much all you can take. <laughs> you really can't take much else from this. Like the guys have pointed out, this wasn't the, you know, this wasn't a Ravens team. It, it was interesting to see, like, there were a few nuggets in this game. Another nugget, I think Tylen Wallace looked looked good um, in the playing time he had. And I kind of I kind of enjoyed seeing him him come into the game and 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 play well against you know against NFL level talent you know first string talent which was what the Bengals had out there you you really can't take a whole lot from this game apart from a few interesting performances that would maybe give guys a bit of a chance with the Ravens going forward um I also don't think this you know you said I look forward more than look back I also don't think this game completely writes off the season um I think you know you get some guys back and you've got a chance of beating the Rams and the Steelers in the final two weeks I mean I, I'm not I wouldn't be looking forward to a, pl- a playoff game against the Bengals <laughs> um, even with some guys back but um uh, maybe against most teams actually with the way that this Ravens team is playing but you never know. I, I, there's, a, there's still a chance this Ravens team gets to the playoffs, but it's not getting anywhere near a Super Bowl. No one should be under any illusions about that. Okay, Shane, let's start looking at the game then. They say it's the hope that kills you, and early on in the game, the Ravens are, was it 7-3 up at one point? And for opening drive, touchdown the first one since mid-October. Josh Johnson came out, it looked well. We had some really nice timed throws. We had Rashad Bateman with his first career touchdown well done ben for calling that out last week even though shane i definitely gave you the credit on twitter because <laughs> you've called it out three to four weeks previously started well and scripted and then all sort of fell apart towards the end of the game yeah greg roman started with a, a a quick game up the tempo and got things moving very fast which not only worked for josh johnson but might be something that he wants to try at various points going forward because the offense looked pretty capable when they were doing that. Both coordinators had to adjust, though. So, so, you know, it's inevitable when you're missing key players that you've got to make some adjustments. Um, Greg Roman's offense looked best on that first drive when they had probably scripted plays that they they were drawing up on. As they had to start calling more situational stuff a bit later on, it wasn't quite as strong. But even then, I think Josh Johnson looked pretty good throughout the game. Um, For Wink, We've mentioned before how his scheme is so dependent on getting pressure up front and leaving those cornerbacks often one-on-one with not much support to try and hold things themselves. When you have no cornerbacks available, Anthony Averett left the game pretty early, Tavon Young left as well. At that point, all of the cornerbacks were guys off the practice squad who hadn't been with the team in preseason. Wink couldn't play that way. He made some quite interesting adjustments. I mean, basically, the Bengals figured out 
what I'm surprised the Packers didn't do the week before. They just figured if we spread out, we bring on five wide, then the Ravens have got to match us with their defensive backs. They've got to take a linebacker out. They've got to bring in somebody who's even further down the list than those starting defensive backs. And you can pretty much pick your target across the board. I don't know why the Packers didn't adopt that approach, but the Bengals adopted it pretty much the whole game. Even then, Wink had some interesting moves where he basically he, he positioned his defense in a way that um, the Bengals had to go max protect. So they only had three receivers out running routes. And then he double covered all of those receivers. They made no difference because the defensive backs weren't very good. So there's one instance where he's got all three receivers double covered and two of them still beat both guys. But it was interesting that Wink had come up with plans. He'd come up with ways to try and work with this very depleted squad. Um, but, you know, ultimately this was always going to be one of those where the result is pretty much nailed on. If you if you manage to change it, then you've pulled off one of the all-time great coaching jobs. But uh, it was a bit much for all of them on the, at the end of it. Ben. Let's talk about Mark Andrews and try and bring inject some positivity into this. I assume he's going to be featured on at least one of your fantasy winning rosters. Yes. Best tight end in the NFL at the minute? At the minute, yes. I'd say uh, he just probably shades it. Um, I think uh, well, Kelsey was knocked last week and didn't play, did he, anyway? Um, but I think it's between him, Kittle, and and Andrews. But uh, I think Andrews has been consistently the best tight end this uh, year in the NFL, not least because he's been carrying so much on his back offensively for this team. Um, and his, uh, he's been pulling off some circus catches. He is looking um, determined and aggressive and everything you'd want a kind of offensive leader to be. I've been really, really impressed with Andrews this year, so... He's been looking outstanding, and you know I think there were, uh, you know, there was really encouraging signs in the passing offense, especially. I mean, we were dealing with a, uh, for the first time, a kind of quarterback who's pass first. He's he's not as mobile as uh, as Lamar and Tyler were, Um, so uh, it was interesting to see a kind of uh, a kind of pocket passing quarterback. have a go in this offense and I thought the protection he got certainly early on was was pretty good he had a good time to throw he's, uh, he's, he's got an arm his accuracy was decent really good to see Bateman um, as usual just kind of snagging those balls and getting those first downs and actually driving for those extra three yards if he's short of the sticks to ensure he gets that first down so um, I thought he looked good Prochet had a really good game and uh, we know that you know when we drafted them that Prochet and Duvernay had incredibly safe hands um and uh and Proche is turning into a more polished route runner too so it was really good to see him do well hollywood had a uh, a couple of grabs too i'm not i don't have the stats on my screen right now but uh he uh he uh yeah he was relatively quiet compared to the other guys but you're going to get that with changes of quarterbacks and uh, i think since lamar has left the building um hollywood's production has gone down but the other guys have picked up the slack so uh i think there were encouraging signs on the offense i think the problem was as shane said you know we had early success because it was based on scripted plays. Um, and once we had to think on the fly a bit, it kind of fell apart and it became obvious fairly early on that we were going to have to like against the Packers score, preferably seven every time we had the ball. And it got to the point in the second half where I was saying, we're actually going to need to also onside kick um, every time we score a touchdown <laughs> um, to try and win this game. So it was never really on the cards. But I thought offensively we did okay. And, you know, we only lost by 20 against... It was basically like, uh, you know, a preseason game where all the starters had been pulled by one team. The other team had left all of theirs in. And, 
you got you got three guys like the Bengals have. They should have been doing what they were doing. I don't know why they were celebrating in the locker room like they'd just, you know, beaten Deion Sanders in his prime. <laughs> it's a bit pathetic, really. But that's fine. If they want to do that, that's fine. James, on the defensive side of the ball, are, are there any positives to take away out of a performance where they get beaten so handedly? Yeah, I mean, like again, I'm going to talk about some guys that that were not necessarily guys that we expect to see regularly going forward. But you know, there were some. I mean, I, I was personally like, um, I don't know what the word is. I was very, I was just really pleased to see Tony Jefferson back out on the field in a Ravens uniform, just giving giving it everything. He gave absolutely everything in that game, and you know, the the guy was just great. I. I He's obviously not got <laughs> some of the athleticism that he that he used to have, or even you know had um, while he was playing for the Ravens. Because I think he was a bit more of a spent force when he played for the Ravens than he was earlier on in his career. I really liked him um, coming out of college. It was he was one of just a guy that I just loved and and wasn't exactly a heralded guy either. So I I have always kind of followed his career. So I liked it when he did come to the Ravens, and so it was just great to see him back out there. But obviously, probably won't be a guy that we see going forward after the season, but we might see him a bit more uh, during the, during this season. Uh, I thought Isaiah Mack did pretty well too um, uh, in the middle of that defensive line. The, the only thing I would say is that that defensive line, and it's the same across the whole of the defense, just didn't, you know, there were communication issues all over the secondary. The defensive line didn't look like it normally looks as a Ravens run stuffing unit. It was just, it was plainly obvious that there were guys out there that just don't know how to play the way the Ravens defense plays. Um, and so it just, it just didn't look good in a lot of, in a lot of scenarios, but like the guys talked about before, I thought Wink did a pretty good job um, in the way that he schemed up this game and, and 41, 21, frankly, it could have been a whole, a whole lot worse going into that, into the game. But I felt they had some good drives actually on defense where they, they did manage to, um, to slow down that Bengals offense. So I, I'm kind of, you know, and also I, I, I don't remember specifically, but I'm pretty sure that was, was it the touchdown at the end of the first half that was where there was the, the, just the horrible pass interference call. And um, I'm just, you know, I'm really getting fed up of those now where we have guys who, <laughs> who are, who are, the refs are clearly throwing the flag because they think, well, how could this guy possibly have covered this guy on that play? He must have held him. Um, and it's just, it's, that's really getting old now. We we, we talked about how short we were on the back end, the DBs and, and who was out there. But it's also worth pointing out that we we were very short-handed up front as well. We only we only dressed three outside linebackers, um, and you asked them to rush the passer all day. I've seen people moaning about the lack of pass rush. Well, poor Tyus Bowser was out there for over ninety percent of the snaps. Like, the, the guy's got to be exhausted. Like, it, it, that's how short-handed the Ravens were. That that. Claire's Campbell, bless him, he he dressed, he put his helmet on, he played eight snaps, clearly wasn't fit, shouldn't have been anywhere near it. But the Ravens just didn't have enough enough personnel even to stand on the sideline. They, they called up the entire practice squad just to make a game of it. It was yeah, it was really poor. And and also, Ian, in recent get you make a great point because in recent games, one of the reasons why the Ravens have defense has been in it as much as they have been in it, or well, two of the reasons are Justin Matabike and Justin Houston. Like those two have been playing at a very, very high level the last sort of three, four games. 
And, you know, without them, it was just, it was lambs to the slaughter. What did you think of Away Man, James? Because there was some criticism on social media that he was uh, hitting a rookie wall and was maybe um, <clears throat> over-pursuing and missing tackles, things like that. I mean, what did you think? I don't think he's necessarily hitting a rookie wall. I think there are... He's being asked to do a lot more now than he was asked to do earlier in the season. It's almost out of necessity. It's not necessarily something that's um, there's something that I think they would have wanted to do this season. They're asking him to do just a lot. It's it's like they're asking, especially in this game, they were asking him to be Tyus Bowser in terms of his versatility. Um, and I think it's just too much for him early in early in his career. And it's at, like I said, it's out of necessity. He has the athleticism to do it, so it's better to have him out there trying to do it but you know it, it, you know in an ideal world you'd have Houston you'd have Ferguson playing at a higher level you'd have Bowser playing all the time you'd have a full linebacking core and what you'd be able to do with their way is just be so, and you'd have other like contributors like Dalen Hayes and you know the last season they played with sort of five or six outside linebackers getting significant snaps you know over, over a hundred well over a hundred snaps and so you've got a situation where always being pressed into a lot and in an ideal situation you'd have him you know coming in rushing the passer getting some confidence doing some doing some of the things that are going to help his development but he's been asked to do everything i'm pretty sure I, I can't remember on the snap counts but i'm pretty sure he was the second highest outside linebacker not that far off bowser yeah he, he um, played 72 percent of the snaps he's also getting double teamed an awful lot you see no class campbell no houston no mcphee the offensive line and looking across well who are we going to block well that big guy there's really fast and really good let's two of us take him and everyone else man on and get on with it so yeah. Did Dalen Hayes not play? Because he was warming up, wasn't he? Did he not play? Again, I think he's one of those that dressed and, and sort of stood with his helmet. But, it's, right. you know, he was never never going to get anywhere near the field, I don't think. In a way, I think it's a positive that Owe is getting that criticism now. Because if you think back to where we were at the beginning of the season, we were saying he's very raw. Don't expect too much of him from this year. This, this could almost be a, well, not a redshirt year as such, but a real learning year for him. It's a sign of how far he's come that people are now going, well, why aren't we seeing what we saw at the beginning of the season? Yeah, absolutely. Ian, Rashad Bateman, he started off well in the scripted plays, four receptions and a touchdown on the first drive, finished the games with four receptions and a touchdown. What what happened? Yeah, he, he did. He only had five targets in the entire game. Um, he had four catches on the first drive, like you say, and, and the touchdown. I can't remember where the where the other target came. He played an awful lot, though. He was on the field for eighty one percent of the snaps. Um, so I think, as you say, it was sort of the scripted plays. And then after that, it's worth remembering that Tyler Huntley practiced most of the week. I think he went on the he went on the COVID list Friday, so he'd have been taking all the all the number one reps. So Johnson would have got a lot of reps with Prochet with Wallace, and in the very limited time they had, you you could see that he was they were the guys that he was comfortable throwing to it was a it was a bit like I've, I've it's long since I've played Madden I gave up Shane just beat me every time he played so I I've knocked that on the head <laughs> but when I play Madden I find one play that works and I'll go back to it back to it back to it and Johnson seemed to adopt that the, the, the quick slant to a Wallace or a or a Prochet get it out get it out quickly and and let them do the work um so yeah I don't starting to see why Shane beat you every time <laughs> you played <laughs> I, I don't think the Bateman thing's much much to worry about i don't think it was a sort of you know i've, I've again I, we talk about this every week i've seen people get on greg roman this week because he's you know 
oh, he, he doesn't draw up these plays for Lamar. He's making it easy for these guys and he makes it really hard for Lamar. I just, yeah, I, I despair sometimes. Has anyone got any groundbreaking analysis on this game before we just move on to talk about Twitter and fans and... Um, okay, Shane, let's come to you then. So, <laughs> they're running up the score, Rao. I, I know that Ian's been taking a little bit of time away from Twitter this week, so you've been dealing with a lot of the the Ravens fans and the Bengals fans. Where, where are we settled on it at the minute? So for anyone who didn't make it to the end of the game, uh, there was there was some attempt to manufacture a bit of fuss because the Bengals left their starters in for the whole game. And there was obviously back and forth about this. Ravens fans are pretty angry about their team getting a battering. And when people are angry, they tend to tweet angrily. So there was a lot of criticism for this. Bengals fans hit back and said, we were all injured and you carried on running up the score against us. I mean, actually, the big wins against the Bengals recently, the Ravens had pulled Lamar and the other starters at the beginning of the fourth quarter. So I don't think that really stands up. But they were apparently going for their um, all-time uh, passing record in a game. So Joe Burrow now has passed Boomer Esiason for the, the most um, the most passing yards in a game. He's also got the same number of Super Bowl wins as Boomer Esiason uh, and me. <laughs> Um, so there's scope for, for him to go to, to go further with that. Um, and so the Bengals fans were then saying, well, you know, Ravens fans weren't complaining when they were trying to go for their rushing record earlier in the season. We were just trying to get a record. And I think, which is fair enough. I mean, like the view I tend to take is that, like, like Ben was saying earlier, if that's what you want to do, go ahead. It's up to your opponents to stop you. We can still be annoyed about it. You can still be annoyed if your team is being kicked up and down the field. Why wouldn't you be? Um, I think the only time when when well, you can't really say anything is to, is to say that the Bengals are in some way cheating or that it's unfair. It's not unfair. It's a sporting event. We said this um, when we were discussing the Broncos game and it was the other way around. It's entirely reasonable to to carry on calling whatever plays you want to call. Um, and it's fine if if you're on the receiving end to to get irritated. Um, so there was an attempt by the media to, to try and get Harbour to bite on this in the press conference and the players to bite on it. Nobody did. They all gave the, the basic line. It's up to them what they want to do. Um, Pro Football Talk plugged away determinedly to try and make this into some sort of fuss and said Harbour was angry with Zach Taylor after the game and confronted him. It's If that's what he did, it's not at all clear from the footage that's been shared on Twitter. He goes up to Zach Taylor and says something, but he doesn't look particularly annoyed. They pat each other on the back and walk off. Uh, So they then settled on privately. Harbour and his coaches are annoyed. Yeah, well, they might be. I mean, that's fine, isn't it? It's fine to be annoyed. It's pure speculation from Florio. I mean, he, he, he he said he had nothing to back it up. And he said he was privately annoyed without offering any shred of evidence. And it's just pure Florio, isn't it? I mean, it's a good guess. I imagine he's annoyed too. But who cares? I mean, it's just, it's not a sign of anything. You know, one team won convincingly, the other coach is annoyed about it. Nobody's saying that Harbour thinks that it was wrong or that they cheated or anything. So it is, it is all, you know, it's completely overblown. But um, it's kept people arguing, still, still going on, uh, you know, 48 hours later or whatever it is as we record this, still going on. I, I had no problem with the Bengals spreading it out and, and throwing it against 
whoever was back there, the Tesco workers and, and whatever. Fair enough. If if Burrow wants to wants a record with a little asterisk by it, he can he can have it. That's great. I I'll just admit something. There was there was a tiny bit, and I'm not proud of this. There was a tiny bit of me that was like, if he gets hurt, I don't really mind. And <laughs> and I felt that for about a minute, and then and then it passed. But Zach Taylor, you've got to be a little bit cleverer than that. I was just going to say, it looked like when Harbour came up to him, he he said, what was that about? And Zach Taylor was like, oh, it was just that passing record. And Te- Harbour just looked like he went, nah, all right. And I think that was all it was. I, to me, it, it, you go and ask Wink about it. I bet what Wink says is, if we were stopping them, it'd be fine. Like, it's up to us to stop them. It just seems like a bit of a We can't say trip. anything. We had this earlier in the year with the with the Broncos yeah but the difference is Vic Fangio went up and said what was that about and Harbaugh said oh it's about the Russian record and Vic Fangio goes you Hobbs <laughs> <laughs> and you're endangering all the players and all of that yeah. the, one, the one thing that has annoyed me off the back of this is the and don't worry NFL UK isn't the source of where I go for all my news but not just the NFL UK all across Twitter and across the sports reporting they're making out like Joe Burrow's just put 500 plus on the 2000 Ravens. Mm. And no one seems to be taking into account, as Ian says, we had Tesco workers back there. Like this, there should be an asterisk on that. And don't get me wrong, it's on a split of how good it is for Joe Burrow and his receivers to have done that versus the, I, I get they are still semi-professional football, but you can't call it professional football players. I'm sure they'll have a job when they're not getting picked up by teams, but semi-professional football players that should be able to stop that. But I don't know. It all just feels a bit a bit too much like he's he's gone out there and beat some substantial competition. I think the 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 crux of the issue is that you are correct. But the the problem is that the only people that see true injustices, even if they're completely valid, are the fans of that team. And if you start vocalising about it too much, you're seen as whiners, even though you're completely justified in doing it. So I'm kind of torn between um, kind of rising to the bait and and wanting to respond to everyone saying, "Look, you know, it's it's fine. You you, I, I, I'm I'm with all of you. I'm completely uh, fine with with them running up the score as much as they want because." Teams that yeah, your opponent is there to be beat. They're there to stop you as well. If you can't do it, that's fine. That's that's no problem. But at the same time, let's not make out that they were playing world beaters. And the problem is, there's a refusal to accept that by, firstly, the objective NFL wider community. It's a bit like putting up Aaron Rodgers for you know player of the game last week and ignoring Tyler Huntley or offensive player of the week. Um, so you expect that from kind of I guess a national media. Um, optic of, of basically picking the the favorite guys in in the playground so that's fine but i think it's um the, the frustration from trying to rationalize it to bengals fans is that there's that complete homerism where you've basically been downtrodden had not a lot of success being nicknamed the bungles you know for decades and really so so there's an, an element with me of kind of just saying well let them have their time in the sunshine because they're going to screw it up in the playoffs anyway they always do um so you know enjoy this while it lasts but at the same time you want to kind of make the point to say yeah i'm not angry i'm just saying that you beat a bunch of ups drivers that's all (laughs) but well done you won the game but 
That's that's all. But they don't want to walk away and just say that's it. And the problem is there are people that are on social media that keep on biting, keep on responding. Mm -hmm. I think that we have to acknowledge that we have basically a more successful franchise, far more success. Just let it go. Enjoy New Year. The range, the range of jobs that these uh, Ravens DBs have. I mean, what we should probably just put a disclaimer in there and well, say. I thought it's that... more likely they were dri- the UPS drivers because they'd have to get immigrant visas if they were Tesco workers <laughs> by coming from the UK. I feel like we should just put out a bit of a disclaimer that we should say, just in case any of these guys are listening in their UPS trucks next week as they're driving around uh, Maryland, that we appreciate that they are all way more athletically gifted than us five will ever be, even combined together. If if we had five, all five of us on T Higgins, he probably would have had the same stat line, if not slightly better. Well, this is the thing that, that triggered somebody who follows us on Twitter, because I had said that you had to give Kevin Seymour respect for working on his playbook during the week when he should really have been working on his CV. And that's when this guy had kind of come in with the kind of, wow, I can't believe you're taking that attitude. But I'm obviously only joking. And of course, they were trying their best. They're not very good players. And it's not their fault. Nobody's expecting. The reason practice squad players are there is literally to make up numbers. They are there if there are so many injuries that you desperately need to bring somebody else in. That's their job. They're fringe players. They're not really going to make it in the NFL. Um, And to go back to Ben's point, I think it's worth remembering that, yeah, Bengals' peaks have been pretty few. And that last playoff win was in... 1991 and not the 1991 season it was the January 1991 so it was the 1990 season it was before it came before never mind by Nirvana was released for example <laughs> before Amazon existed before Google existed before Bill Clinton was president like the number of things that have happened since the last Bengals <laughs> playoff win is extraordinary like even if it weren't for the fact that their arrival I still find records like this fascinating the fact that it can be more than three decades since they last won a playoff game. So since then, the Ravens franchise has been founded and won two Super Bowls, but won more Super Bowls than the Bengals have won playoff games in the last 30 years, and they got a five-year head start. That's extraordinary. When we had Paul on from the Cincinnati, he was a really nice guy. I really enjoyed and it. He seemed super level-headed as well. In hindsight... We should have probably asked him to join us for ten minutes tonight, just to get <laughs> just to get a level-headed view of it. Because I'd like to think that he had somewhat of a, a level-headed view. Go on, James. We probably shouldn't get him on now after we've just said the last ten minutes. <laughs> <laughs> I was just going to say, like, if you if you're doing, you know, you, you can see. So from the the Pro Bowl vote is was interesting this week. You you got Lamar in based basically off the coaches and and players, and anybody who's got any kind of who's got any kind of nous about player evaluation. The first thing I, I did a video um with um a video breakdown with Cole Jackson last week. That's that's Cole's like fifth straight shout Ding, out. Show. When you look a little um, bell, <laughs> <laughs> um uh, breaking down Justin Matabike. and the first thing I said out of the gate when we were breaking him down was okay, this this Packers offensive line, the interior of the offensive line is not very is not very good. You know, they are not and um they're playing in the NFL. So they're they're incredibly athletically talented. They um have the technique to be able to, to play in the NFL with like not knocking them. But when you look at a spectrum of talent across the NFL, this Packers offensive line isn't that great. Um in terms of the interior. There was lots of replacements on there. And it's the same situation. Anybody with any 
now sort of understanding of player evaluation, you have to take into contact. You know, you're taught to when when you're when you're taught to do player evaluation, you're taught about when can you trust the guy and when can you can't tr- when you when can you not trust the guy. And when you can't th- what goes into that has to be competition. It's can you trust this guy? You know, it can this guy beat adequate competition consistently? Then you kind of put him in a certain bracket of player. And you know, Joe Burrow has a very skilled, skilled um receiving core. He played very well. He is a good quarterback. Um, but this the, all this tells you is that he he can consistently beat lower competition. Um, and that's a that's a good thing to be able to do, but that's all it tells you. And you probably already knew that about Joe Burrow. <laughs> um, like he is he has shown himself to be a solid to good quarterback already. Um, I do think he's gonna be a very good quarterback in a in a in a couple of years, and he's gonna be a problem um for us for a while. But that f- for me, that game told you nothing about Joe Burrow other than the fact that he broke a record that um you know the the boomer size and tell that I, I i that 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 game told me nothing other than stats for Burrow. let's not forget that the last time the bengals took this victory lap on us a few weeks ago they then went up to metlife stadium one of the hardest places to play against the um feisty <laughs> new york jets to get beaten by them so let's just all calm it down just a little bit on joe burrow the mvp Okay, let's stop moaning about the Bengals, just in case anyone from the Cincinnati podcast is listening. We can only apologize for the last 20 to 30 minutes or however long it's been. 20 to 30 years. (laughs) 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 Right. (sighs) Playoff hopes. Got 40 minutes. We're 40 minutes to this podcast. Wow. Playoff hopes. Uh, Ben. Where where are we on playoff hopes? Me and you had a sort of conversation last week. Whether we well we we agreed that we shouldn't tank, we we shouldn't aim to lose. Can you see us winning another game and sneaking? Miami winning last night, Monday night, Tuesday night as we record this, um, didn't help our situation. It looks like we're just going to miss out this year. We would have to beat both the Rams and the Steelers. Um, yeah, I, we're still in it, and I'm still of that mindset. I always am that I want us to win every game that we that we play, um, regardless of you know. I mean, a top ten. We're not going to get a top ten draft position uh, position anyway, um, and anything beyond that is a bit of a crapshoot um, as far as getting the right player anyway. So I don't think. Again, we're going back to fans of, of franchises that maybe are not as successful as far as looking to the draft, and I don't think we do that. We we try and win. Um, I think that the Steelers are eminently beatable in the last week of the season, um, regardless of who we've got playing, frankly. I mean, they're not looking good. We should have beaten them in Pittsburgh. Um, We should have a few more guys back by then unless we shut it all down. But the biggest issue is going to be um, the Rams game. Um, And, uh, you know, having watched what we've seen this week, we're going to need a significant number of bodies back that can at least make a good fist of defending the pass and hopefully a couple of bodies back that can also make a good fist of... uh, putting pressure on Matt Stafford. Otherwise, it's going to be a long, long day. And, and obviously, you know, Cooper Cup is keeps being highlighted just because he is so, so good um, at everything <laughs> that a receiver can do. So, um, you yeah, know, he's obviously the major worry in that offense. They're, they're not, they don't have slouches either. Um, uh, you know, also playing, you've got Odell Beckham and, uh, and, and Robert Woods and people like that. So I really can't, and we'll get to this later on, I can't see us 
getting a win against the Rams. But if we somehow can pull it out, and as we've said before, I mean, we were one point uh, and a two-point conversion away from beating the Packers potentially. Um, anything's possible. It's the last game at M&T. Well, no, it's the penultimate game at M&T Bank Stadium. But again, it's one of those could-be-rocking atmosphere sort of thing. West Coast team, 10 a.m. the kickoff. So we'll, we'll get to that later in more detail. But if we pull that off, I can see us making the playoffs. Looking at talking about the Bengals just now, I can see us actually winning the division because I mean the Bengals have got the Chiefs this week. Um, they may have a bit of false confidence after beating the sort of seventh string Ravens team, um, so I can see them losing that. And then they have to go to Cleveland the last week of the season, which you know it's an Ohio divisional matchup. It's never a given in Cleveland that they're going to win that. So you know if we win our last two and they lose their last two, then suddenly we win the division. So who knows? So I think we we you know reevaluate after the Rams game, but we go in all guns blazing, try and get as many people back as we can this week and see where we are. Is Cincy Cleveland the six o'clock game again? Is it going to be one of those years where one team is sat on the field watching the other team final drive to see who's going to the playoffs? I don't know what the last week is. I think it might be. I think they are a 6 p.m. game. Um, but That's what where they're scheduled. It's where they're scheduled at the moment. But I yeah. think that that schedule tends to be decided. Um, I don't know when they... Don't know when they can move games around because they moved, they moved the Ravens game on the Monday yesterday, so the Monday before the Sunday. So I guess this time next week they they'll have decided the times for that final game. There's there's a scenario where the Ravens could lose to the Rams, beat the Steelers, and still make the playoffs. But you're getting into about five or six, seven different things that have to happen with other teams for that to be possible. Is, is there anyone out in the AFC North, or could the Browns and the Steelers take it? The Browns could still make it because, yeah, yeah, yeah. But they, they need a lot of things to go their way. Mathematically, all four teams can still win the division. Yeah, they? yeah, I think so. Mm. I, yeah. I hate talking about the draft, um, especially this this early in in the season. Um, <laughs> this uh, wow, well. <laughs> us on us on Twitter, Shane and I, we're, we're notorious. Anyone sends us like their mock drafts and stuff, we just ignore them. So please send them all to James. Like just getting that, that in. Early. <laughs> but, um, for, for those of you that are on the sort of the gas, don't send them to me either. <laughs> for those of you that are on the gas train of, of you know, let's lose the next two games, get get the best. Draft. Well, well, hang on, let's not tie me with that brush. But get, all right, get the, best, get the best draft pick we can. So, if the season ended today, the Ravens would pick number sixteen. That's that's where they are at the minute. So, so it's dead in the middle. If they lose the next two games, you're probably looking at picking somewhere between ten and twelve. So that's that's what you'd be looking at so that's yeah exactly so Gaz is rubbing his, his hands together that is it's incredibly tight at the minute the team's around sort of seven eight wins so yeah two two losses would probably it, it, I don't think you'd, you'd get inside the top 10 but but it would it just outside so, there's some options to trade up with Jacksonville maybe getting a really high pick and already having a franchise quarterback maybe want to step back and well anyway yeah let's not talk about the draft um I'm just having a quick look at the playoff picture. I mean, it's one of those things. Whoever wins the AFC North probably going to have what New England come to town and absolutely destroy them in the wild card round. So it, it, it's it's not much of anything, is it? Shall we transition into the news? Is there anything else on this game before we go into the news from anyone? Blank faces. No. Okay. Let's go into the news. Is there any? Is there any good news? I saw a really good tweet. Who was it? I think it was Alex Harker. Put the old um, England manager tweet up. I can't remember what it was, but the Ravens announced that players were coming off 
COVID list while simultaneously announcing that players are going onto the COVID list today. That's sort of a summary of the season so far. So, news. Ben, Anthony Averett could miss Sunday with no word on Tavon Young, but Westry is back from the COVID list. So we still don't have Anthony Averett or potentially Tavon Young, but at least Chris Westry is back. Yeah, um, Averett obviously was looking in a lot of pain. And he's a broken rib, apparently, or it looks that way. So that makes it difficult to play corner a week after breaking your rib. So uh, I'd be very surprised to see him start. Um, I think. Uh, what about? I think Jimmy Smith should be okay again um, this week. He's, so he's off I, the COVID list, but is he fit? I mean, I don't. That this seems to be a broader question about his overall health. But. I mean. Uh, I don't know, but he's got to be better than what, what else we've got. Isn't it? So, I mean, I think if we've got you know, if we've got Jimmy Smith that can suit up and play, and we have Tavon Young that is probably at this point, it's fair to say fifty fifty for this week, um, and Chris Westry playing. Uh, I've, I mean, compared to last week, I'm feeling great about that. <laughs> um, so it's uh, yeah, it's not great, is it? But it, it, we have to make the best of what we have. Uh, in the secondary at the moment we can only hope for you know realistic guys coming back at this point um so i don't think Avery's going to make it he, he, he really and and i saw uh, you know there was some criticism of his tackling technique on that to the extent that someone said that coaches need to be fired because they are teaching them to tackle incorrectly and this is getting them all injured um i mean he was trying to tackle a 250 260 pound tight end and he's probably about 175 pounds um so it is quite common in cornerbacks to kind of go low try and uh, sort of take him out at the knees and, and obviously that went badly for for Averitt. but i i can't really criticize young guys too much if you try to wrap him up he'd still be in the end zone now sort of taggling along behind his legs so um <laughs> Uh, it was just, it, again, it, it just seemed to be with Averett yet another uh, unlucky blow in a litany of unlucky blows this year. And, and I think it's important to point out at this point that there is no conspiracy. There is no um, dodgy practice facility. There's probably no uh, dodgy methods in, in strength and conditioning because the previous two seasons, as we've pointed out previously, we were in the top third of the NFL for healthy um, starters and, and squads in the season. This has just been a litany of nightmares. And, and that's what it is. We have to put it to bed. The curse will be over. Next season, we'll have more people fit. But at the moment, we've just got to deal with what we've got, I think. Okay, Ian's typing away pretty furiously. So... Let's just have a quick roundup of what's going on, Ian. So Tony Jefferson's gone on the COVID list. All right, let's get, so talk about on the COVID list. We've got Tony Jefferson who's gone on. Bowser has just gone on as we record. Is that yeah, right? This is the big one. Yeah, he's he's just gone on now. So that that pretty much that definitely rules him out, doesn't it, for for this week? Um, which, which is huge. Um, McPhee's back, but Houston's still on the list as well. So you're you're still down pass rushes. Then off the list, McPhee back, Jimmy Smith back, Westry back. Yeah? Yeah. Is that tidy up? Yeah. So, like, Bowser's a, a hammer blow. Jimmy Smith, I feel like in the secondary, I was just going to say, Jimmy, Tavon Young's really important this week because the, the Rams, although they've changed their offense a lot over the course of this season and from last season, um, they still play with condensed formations quite a lot. So Tavon Young's pretty important this week in short areas. I also think Jimmy Smith's important because you probably could put him on Odell Beckham. They're both sort of a 
not quite the same guy they were and and they've they've had some battles in the past and then you can just put everyone else on Cooper Cup and hope for the best <laughs> it's kind of the the strategy that he'll probably go with and I'm not I mean I'm it sounds like I'm kidding I'm honestly not I think that's possibly what might happen um and well that was the plan that was the plan for yeah. the pack. yeah and you've got to be a bit more concerned about the about those secondary receivers, you know, Van Jefferson is is a is a good receiver. Odell Beckham can hurt you and has hurt the Ravens in the past. But you're right, Shane. That was exactly what they did with the Packers, and it wouldn't be surprising to see it happen again. But you've got to have those secondary guys. Like, you can't have you can't have Daryl Worley covering Odell Beckham. It's a, it'll be a bloodbath. Okay, so let's go to an interview with LA Rams UK, who are going to preview the up. Oh, before we do that, actually, we should maybe mention the quarterbacks. Sorry, I'm I'm skipping bits out. Um, James, on offense, both Lamar and Huntley could be back. Kenji Bahar's been released, so does that look like a good sign that we're going to see one of the quarterbacks back? Yeah, it certainly means we'll get one of them back. I think what it probably means is that Huntley is vaccinated, um, which would mean it's very easy for him to come back for this game and within the time frame. But obviously there's still a chance that Lamar suits up for this game. I think that there's been some talk that you just shut Lamar down now and, and don't bother. But I, I just can't see this coaching staff doing that. I think if they've got a chance to get in the playoffs with Lamar Jackson, they're going to take a chance to get in the playoffs. Um, and so if he's if he's healthy enough to play, again, it's the same calculation that you have to make. I think the reason he didn't practice last week was to keep him keep him away from a COVID-riddled um, facility. But, you know, it's again, it's a decision to make. It, it, how much is his um, mobility compromised by the ankle? If it's and like if it's compromised too much, then you put in a very competent backup in Tyler Huntley and let him play. But if he's if he's got any stretch of the mobility that he that he has, you you put him in and hope that he pulls off a miracle again. Tyler Huntley and the number twelve overall to Detroit for the number two. There we go. Has a trade for you. Okay, let's go to an interview with LA Rams UK, who are going to preview the upcoming Rams game with us. And then we'll be back at the other side with our predictions. Let's go. Preview the upcoming Rams at Ravens game, which is going to be at MT Bank Stadium on Sunday, which is going to be a 1 p.m. Eastern game now, so 10 a.m. Pacific or the West Coast, and 6 p.m. for us in the UK. We are joined by Tony from LA Rams UK. Welcome to the show, Tony. Thanks very much for having us. So let's dive straight into it. Why the Rams of all the NFL teams and which city were they in when you decided to be a Rams fan? <laughs> I don't know if you're trying to coax me into saying Cleveland at some point, but I'm not quite that <laughs> old. Uh, it started in the early to mid-80s. My aunt and uncle went across to California and stayed in Los Angeles, and they went to a Raiders game and brought me and my brother back some merchandise. And being a contrary teenager, neither of us wanted to actually choose the Raiders as our NFL team, but we decided that we both needed one. So my brother opted for Washington, and I opted for those Rams. And it's been an in-and-out sort of relationship for the 80s, you know, buying the USA Today on a Monday morning just to find out the results and things like that. Um, And I 
sort of lost contact in the late nineties when my local team, Hull City, were actually doing rather well, um, being promoted up and down to the Premier League, etc. Um, but then 2012, the Rams came across to Wembley and played against the Patriots, unfortunately, and sort of picked it up from there. And it's been a bit of a, a roller coaster actually setting up the LA Rams UK with with Tom and Jordan and Aaron and Rob. And, you know, this is where we are today. We, we run our own podcast, which is into episode 66. So I've been across to Los Angeles, um, seeing the Rams play, and obviously all the all the London games we've seen as well. Okay, that's uh, so you actually set up, uh, say, in the modern incarnation in 2012, but that was, of course, before they moved back from... So they were in St. Louis when you picked them up again. Yep, certainly. You know, um, it, it's... It, it was difficult because obviously we, we had those Jeff Fisher years, and he was wasn't particularly successful at all, Mister Seven and Nine. <laughs> but you know, we was always the spoiler team in the NFC West. We was always the team that could get a result against Seattle or San Francisco or Arizona that upset their season. So there's always that type of thing to look forward to if you weren't actually making the playoffs. So I mean, bringing it up to the current uh, the current day, uh, obviously with you know the Ravens are facing. The Rams haven't played them in a little while. Uh, well, it's a couple of years, and we, we, again, I, I said I wouldn't mention that, and I'm mentioning it already. So apologies for that. <laughs> but uh, bring this up right up to speed, though. How has the Rams season been so far this year? It's been a little bit of a roller coaster, actually. You know, we started off well, and we hit a bit of a speed bump heading into the bye week, and a lot of people lost faith. Really, we we couldn't see a way out of it. it was, it was that loss to Arizona and the Titans. We thought we can bring this back after the bye week, and we got hit by the Packers. And, you know, that three-game loss really sort of knocked us. But then we've been on this streak since then, and it all seems to be coming together. One of the biggest issues we've had this season seems to have been our special teams and they've not really performed as we wanted them to, apart from Matt Gay, our kicker, who is statistically the best kicker in the NFL at the moment. So that's come together, and we haven't really been very good at punt returns. We've everybody winces when we have Cooper Cup accepting the kick out. You know, it just blows your mind that a player of that caliber will be used for punts and kick returns. But fortunately, we've sort of broken that by having Powell do the the, punt, the kick return this last week, which, which went really well for us. So special teams seem to have done picked themselves up. Our defence has always been pretty decent when you've got players of the calibre like Aaron Donald, Jalen Ramsey, Leonard Floyd, Taylor Rapp. You know, I, I can keep going on, but I don't want to scare you for this upcoming week. And, you know, the offence, it took a bit of a hit with Robert Woods. You know, the, the Cup Woods partnership was just phenomenal. Just the communication they had between each other, the way they had this private game going on as well, so that they kept score during the game. And you got as mo- many points in that game for a good tackle or a block as you did for scoring a decent touchdown. And it was this private game and rivalry they had between them. And obviously, we, we signed Odell Beckham Jr. And then if not the next day or the day after that, we lost Robert Woods for the season. And you're thinking, oh, my, I, was, I, was, I was never that keen on bringing Beckham into the 
dressing room because of that reputation. But the way he's been mentoring Van Jefferson and some of the younger players, and he really seems to have bought into the the mantra of Sean McVeigh and the we, not me slogan. So I don't know how closely you followed the Ravens season, but we've been pretty banged up over, uh, well, since the beginning of the season, really. And it just got more and more banged up as, as the weeks have gone on. Um, who on the Ravens concerns you if, if there's anybody left at this point? Well, as, as Ben mentioned earlier, I do have flashbacks to that trip to Los Angeles in 2019 when Lamar Jackson actually rips the the Coliseum apart. And I was actually sat amongst a lot of the, the Ravens fans who were who were fairly pleasant, if, if not very vocal. Oh, sorry, they were very vocal. And um, yeah, I still have flashbacks about Lamar Jackson. And obviously we've faced Kyler Murray, who is a similar quarterback to Lamar. Um, not as good, in my opinion. But we have that experience of playing Kyler Murray twice this season already. So that would be the one player that would concern me. Hmm. Yeah, I mean, um, and as far as your team go, who are obviously a lot healthier, I mean, who would you pick out as being of particular concern to Ravens fans? I mean, I'd, I'd, I'd contest that healthy thing because we've we've had the COVID scare. We always knock, we had to knock back the Seattle game, and we're still having players coming back from that. We've still not had Andrew Whitworth, our forty-year-old left tackle, come back. Um, obviously, he's he may still be having some issues, so his replacement, um, Noteboom, uh, has just come back. So we was playing with a really banged-up offensive line this last game. Um, I'm a complete fanboy for Cooper Cup. I think he's probably the most intelligent player on our squad. He's very often in the quarterback's room. He he outperformed at college. And I think he's he's really got the cast around him now to actually put up the numbers that he is doing and potentially break that season record for receiving yards. And he's doing that whilst playing sometimes as a tight end role with that blocking role. He's he is a complete player, and that's the play. If you're going to stop one player on the offense, it's got to be Cooper Cup. But then that leaves you open to Van Jefferson and Odell Beckham Jr. down the for the deep balls. But then Sony Michelle for the last three games has been absolutely ripping it up. I think this last game he averaged just under five yards a carry consistently, and. He's really come to the fore now for us. And on the other side of the ball, um, you have Aaron Donald, who has was having a good season, but now seems to have stepped it up. Like he's re- he can see the playoffs on the horizon and he wants to come into that period in form. And then you've got Jalen Ramsey. And then you've got Von Miller. And as a team, I, I, I think the defence is is really stepping it up now. And that's without even mentioning Matthew Stafford, unfortunately. Well, we've, we've got quite a lot of good news for you. Firstly, we'd, I, we'd be very surprised if Lamar plays. It looks like you're going to see Tyler Huntley and not Lamar Jackson. Um, from our side, we don't think we're going to see Lamar Jackson for the rest of the season at this point, um, depending on where we stand at the end of Sunday on possibility of making the playoffs. Uh, um, you mentioned your 
vast array of wide receivers. We have uh, part-time UPS drivers as cornerbacks at the moment. So um, we, we've lost all our starting secondary pretty much. So you're going to have a pretty much of a field day there. So it's it's looking like it's all coming up, Tony, and the LA Rams UK for this Sunday game coming up. So you you mentioned Matthew Stafford. What what's that what's that changeover been like from Jared Goff? Has it been the step up that you expected? Is it has it been a little disappointing? Where are you with that? I, I'm I'm pretty much down the middle on this. I, I, I'm not going to sit on the fence because I think he is an upgrade on Jared Goff, but we will only be able to prove that in playoff games. You know, Jared Goff took us to a Super Bowl. You know, how many quarterbacks do that in their careers? There aren't that many that do it. And he wasn't a bad quarterback. He just hit his ceiling with Sean McVeigh. Sean McVeigh knew what he wanted. And I think the next step up was somebody with with experience, a veteran. Matthew Stafford is is definitely that. But he's got to prove himself in the playoffs. Possibly not a Super Bowl, although it'd be fantastic. That would be the dream with the Super Bowl being in so far this year. But, you know, he's, he's probably got three or four years to really clinch it. And, you know, we've got a window here. We've got all these star players. And it's got to work for us soon. Otherwise, the, the lack of draft picks may come back and eat us. I mean, do, you think, do you feel like the Rams are kind of just peaking at the right time here? Because you had, you know, a fairly decent start. And then you had that big dip in the middle of the season. Because early, early doors, you were kind of top two or three in everyone's, you know, power rankings, weren't you, as far as... You know, on paper, a sort of more complete squad than probably anyone else in the NFC as far as you know, defense and adding that that element with the potential All Pro quarterback that had been playing for a frankly awful franchise since he was drafted. So, uh, do you think you're kind of getting to that point where you're genuine Super Bowl contenders? I would hate to say so myself, but it's pleasant for other people to say that to me, if if that makes sense. Um, so we, we have several stats that we don't talk about because of, we don't want to jinx certain runs. And I, I think we sort of get into the stage where the team is coming into form. We are two games away from the playoffs. We have secured a playoff place. We are now... We, we, we can't lose on Sunday because of the Dallas Cardinals game. Because if Dallas win, we secure the NFC West title. If the Cardinals win, we move up to number two in the rankings. So in that respect, as as long as we beat the Ravens, then we are sitting pretty. But I, I think home field advantage will is worth fighting for, even though... Sean McVeigh in his time with us has a slightly better record away from home. Yeah, so West Coast team going from that hot climate, looking like you're going up to Lambeau Field, which is going to be an interesting test for you in the NFC Championship game if it gets that far, isn't it? Well, we did we did that last year and and fell a little bit short, but um, you know Matthew Stafford has that experience of playing in cold weather, and it's it's you know. We're coming to you. I don't know what the temperature is in Baltimore, but I thought it was mid-40s. So it's going to be wet, but not particularly cold. But obviously that's a bit of a shell shock from Los Angeles where you're expecting it to be 80s, 90s, fairly consistently. And obviously now we're playing so far, we're play, playing what is in effect a dome, even though it's open-sided. And I, I don't think that the weather is that much of a concern. You know, I would love 
I would love to be in a situation where it comes down to the NFC Championship game and we have to go to Green Bay. That's that's the hurdle that everybody has their eyes on. But as much as the Rams have to get there, the Packers do as well. Obviously, they have one less game to play because they've got the number one seeding, but they still have to win games to get there. So I guess the question just on everyone's lips, just to finish up here before we ask you for your prediction here, is uh, comes down to it on Sunday, <clears throat> 60 yards, a little bit of a breeze. Who do you trust, Matt Gay or Justin Tucker? <laughs> well, considering this season, I think Matt Gay has missed one field goal. and It was in the 45 to 50 range. He's nailed a couple over 55. I, I you know, as a, as, as a, Born in the wool Yorkshireman, I would put a fiver on that. Did he, has he hit any from sixty six this season? <laughs> I don't believe he has. <laughs> All right, okay, that's that's one that's one point for Justin Tucker there. Then, in fact, we'll give him sixty six points for that one. Shane, how is the weather out in Maryland? Uh, so it's about ten eleven degrees today, and a little bit drizzly, rainy. Um, but it's been the temperature has been really up and down over the last week or so. There's been some days where it's bizarrely warm and then it's dropped down to normal wintry temperatures uh, and i'm kind of i'm like an hour away from from baltimore at the moment so it could be it can change quite drastically here so uh, yeah it could be anything on sunday based on how it's been over the last week it's going to be a 10 a.m game isn't it 10 a.m west coast time yeah yeah so yeah. for the rams yeah yeah but i mean there's, there's this interesting stat around that as well that you know they often say that west coast teams are in a not in a great place when the, ta- the kickoff time gets changed to ten o'clock, but I believe that Sean McVay is eight and two for ten a.m. kickoffs on the East Coast, and we are four and zero this season already. Which is pretty good going. Yeah, even less hope. Um, what are you? <laughs> what's your uh, What's your score prediction for Sunday then? Based on, well, obviously lots can change with the COVID lists and various other things that have been happening over the last few weeks. But based on where we are now, what's what's your score prediction for Sunday? I, I really hate doing score predictions, and I'm, I'm <laughs> notoriously bad at it. But I can I can see the Rams putting up thirty points, so I'm going to say thirty points. But I can also see the Ravens not being too far out of this game, so. I want to say somewhere around the 20 mark, and I'm probably going to go 24, so a 30-24 game. Excellent. Cool. Well, thank you for joining us. Before we let you go, Tony, where can the UK Ravens fans follow along on Twitter, Instagram, Facebook, and all that good stuff? Well, on on Facebook, we are Los Angeles Rams UK. Uh, You can find us on Twitter at LARams underscore UK, and that is the same for Instagram as well. I wouldn't follow myself on Twitter as Hull City Tony because I don't really do much sports stuff there. I'm usually on Facebook managing the timeline there. But for, for in-game chat, we do have a Discord. And our, our colleagues, Tom and Jordan, are usually pretty adept at keeping the Twitter feed updated during the games. Cool. And importantly, where's the podcast? Where can we listen to the podcast? The podcast is available at larams.uk. We have an archive of all 66 episodes there. So there's probably one of me lamenting my trip to Los Angeles, if you want to go <laughs> back that far and, and revel in that glory. Oh, that sounds like a great podcast. Listen to it. I think it was a very well-organized trip, though, that you otherwise enjoyed very much. <laughs> 
it was it was an excellent trip because we actually get we got went to the Coliseum twice. We saw the USC UCLA Los Angeles derby, which was a, a complete points fest. And in more as importantly for me, there was marching bands involved, and I, I do love a good marching band. Well, you'll get to see one and, on know, Sunday because we the Ravens are one of the actually the only NFL team to have a marching band. So you know if you, uh, you sit back and if you see any on TV, you can sit back and enjoy that. It's the original Baltimore Colts band that basically were the only people left when they when they went to Indy. So they kind of hung around for 12, 13 years and then got a team back. So, uh, you know, keep a lookout for that. Excellent. I shall tune in early. <laughs> Excellent. Well, thank you very much for your time tonight, Tony. We appreciate it. And yeah, we'll look forward to the game on Sunday. And I guess we'll pick this up with your friends on Twitter as, as the game as the game breaks down. Thanks, guys. Cheers, Tony. Perfect. Thanks, Thanks Tony. Cheers. Cheers, Tony. <laughs> There goes Tony from LA Rams UK, the UK Rams. Okay, guys, let's look at our predictions for the game then. A tough-looking Rams team that hasn't played to its full ability. A Ravens team who we don't know who is going to play. This was meant to be in the news, but please keep your eye out on the UK Ravens Twitter for breaking news of when players go on and off the COVID list or get injured or hit by stray bullets or come back into the um, team at this point in this year, literally anything could happen. So I will go for Ravens 24, Rams 27. I think it's an out of division, out of conference matchup, similar to the Packers game. Anything could happen. I think everyone's going to be super low on the Ravens on the back of the Bengals game. But we need to remember that that was their Super Bowl. This team was built to beat the Ravens, where the Rams aren't really concerned about us. They're concerned about, well, what used to be the Seahawks, even though they're terrible this year. So I will go for Ravens-Rams 27-24 to the Rams in a narrow victory. And I'll have Bateman to have a second touchdown in two games. Ben, what do you have? I'm not um I'm not feeling too great about this one again, I'm afraid. Um I have to temper hope with realism uh versus and, and the problem is that we, we we're saying this now on you know a Tuesday night, and God knows who will be active and who won't be active and who will be starting a quarterback. I mean, there's so many variables at the moment with um COVID and injuries that it's really difficult to say. So let's assume that either Huntley or Lamar start. Um, and I have so much faith in Huntley, actually. I mean, I have to watch in the Dolphins and Saints game last night. You do appreciate that, yeah, we've got really lucky with, well, not lucky, we just have got really good scouts and, and, and management with uh, with backup quarterbacks. Because, I mean, yeah, we could have ended up with the guy who was playing for New Orleans last night. I can't remember his name, but he was rubbish. So, well, dare we say that we've got an offensive coordinator that can actually call a good game. Maybe, maybe. Yes, Greg Roman is an <laughs> offensive genius. So, um so, so either way, you know, I, th- I think we'll we'll put up some scores on the boards because whoever's behind centre is, is capable of doing that, and we know that our receiving core are capable of doing that, especially Mark Andrews. Um, so, I think we'll score some points, but it'll probably be around the twenty mark. The Rams are explosive on offense. Stafford is, in my opinion, a top tier quarterback, a top six quarterback in the NFL. Um, I'd, I'd go as far to say. Um, and he's also got two fairly elite wide receivers. 
So I think that's going to be too much, unfortunately, for our depleted secondary. Um, I think they'll put up at least, I'd say, 31 points. So 31-20 Rams. Um, we'll keep it maybe close for a little bit, but uh, even with the M&T crowd, I, I just can't see us pulling off this uh, this this win. Uh, if I'm going to go with a Ravens player, oh, God, well, it's, it's, everything's really obvious, isn't it? Let's go James Prochet, touchdown. James Prochet won't catch COVID. Ian Buck was the name you were searching for, Ben. That's Ian Buck. That was it, Buck. Ian yeah. Buck. I thought yeah. it was Brook. Sounds like a guy you know from the pub, doesn't it? I just was skimming through the highlights last night, and it was just so depressing watching it. It's Because I wanted the Saints, obviously, to beat the Dolphins as well, so I was just getting really annoyed at this guy I'd never heard of before. Yeah. Speaking of depressing people called Ian, Ian, what have you got? <laughs> <laughs> so, I said, I don't know if you remember this, I said a few weeks back that it wouldn't surprise me if the Ravens do something really stupid and, and beat the Rams. So Here we go. I'm, Let's go. I'm going to double down on it. I'm going for it. And this is with the big if that Jimmy Smith, Tavon and Westry have to play. If those three aren't, aren't play, we're not going to win this game. But those three play, the Ravens have got a chance. I'm, I'm not that worried about who plays quarterback for the Ravens. I think we've seen enough from, from any one of the three of them that that we can hang around. Uh, it's much more dependent on who plays on the defensive side of the ball. So I'm, I'm going to go with a, a Ravens win, uh, 30 to 27. And for my player prop, I'm not sure if we're technically allowed to do this, but Cooper Cup has only had under 90 receiving yards in one game this season. So I'm going to say that Cooper Cup's held under 90 receiving yards. Cooper Cup. That's what I was going to do. <laughs> frantically searching we, we for are the same person. person we yeah, are you are Damn the same it. person okay to split you up then James what do you have the interesting thing about this matchup is how the Ravens break down the, the Rams offense the Rams offense has been on a real journey since the start of the year and since last year really with bringing Matt Stafford in it's just a very different offense it started out the season as a very different offense with a lot of shotgun passing and he's Sean McVay has kind of really adjusted the offense to bring in more of the principles that he had from last season where he played a lot of play action with Jared Goff and and relied a lot on the run game. So the Ravens kind of have to stop that run game to be able to stop the play action and then to use the recipe that many teams used to stop the shotgun passing game earlier in the season, which was to sort of drop into deep zones, play single high safety and really challenge Stafford to be patient and complete those throws underneath and not get that stuff downfield. So it'd be really interesting to see how the Ravens combat that this week with, with still such a depleted secondary. I, I, unfortunately, I do think that this is, this is another loss for the Ravens. I just think there's too many players missing um, for them to be able to, to, to keep this one, um, to keep this one in the victory column. And I think this probably is the end of the season. Finally, uh, so I do think this is a 30-24 victory to the Rams. And if I was going to go for a player prop, a sort of good, uh, a nice little silver lining to the game, I think maybe James Prochet gets his first NFL touchdown. Cool. And Shane? So, well, to prove I'm not the same person as Ian, I'm, I'm going Rams win as well, I'm afraid. Um, I think 34-21 to the Rams. It's, as everybody has said, incredibly hard to predict this one we've got no idea who's actually going to be playing come Sunday but I'm going to say 150 yards for Mark Andrews 150 wow yeah. does that put him over the is he over the record yeah he's, he's already over the record yeah. that, that 
that would probably put him over the Ravens singles. Uh, yeah, that, yeah. Would, yeah, yeah, yeah. I think, so. I think he needs about 11 catches for the, the most ever by a Raven player in a season. That that would take him over as well. And I think I, I read somewhere this week that in the last three games, he's got more receiving yards than any player in the league. So, I mean, well, we, we've talked about him. But... What's, what's really strange about this season is there's going to be an asterisk in all the records that are broken because of the 17th week. But all of the records are getting broken within 16 weeks. It's just an odd odd thing that it mm. will be seen as a, yeah. a a weirdness because you've got the extra week. But they have... They all seem to be getting broken already. So that's a good point. Yeah, yeah. you've also got okay. You've also got Marquise Brown closing in on a thousand. He must be extremely close to it now. So he probably only needs a couple more catches to go over a thousand yards in the season. Cool. Well, I've got my Rams fan friend Tom coming around for a cookout with the Camado. We do some burgers and some boneless wings and hang out and try not to get embarrassed in my own house so never do anything better on a Camado than that than what well I don't know I mean it's a, how about some um, some beef ribs or, or some um, I don't know pulled pork I mean not to get into the the smokers podcast we'll, we'll save that but <laughs> the best the best time effort to product end product can cook. I guess can I guess what you're going to say here Go on. You're going to say beer can chicken. No, I'm not going to say beer can okay. chicken. I've got loads of science of why beer can chicken <laughs> is a fad, a con, and no one should do it. The correct oh, this answer needs to be a term <laughs> the, the, the correct answer is a spatchcock chicken, which is like a beer can chicken, except you drink the beer and just cook the chicken on the barbecue. <laughs> okay. <laughs> I mean, I wouldn't listen, but it definitely should be a podcast. You're, you're talking to Ben here, who cooked his ham in. Coca-Cola by the looks of it. And, and I don't I don't I don't disagree with that. No, no, I don't. He got, got some absolute hammering on Twitter for it. <laughs> it's a popular thing out here. If, if it's good enough for Nigella Lawson, it's good enough for me. I could watch her cook that all day. <laughs> In a micro wave. In a micro wave. Well, this took a, an odd turn for, for the worst towards the end, didn't it? But yes, um tune back in in the summer for the Gazan Ben smoking episode of the UK Ravens podcast. Spatchcock Corner with Gaz and Ben. <laughs> Spatchcock I just like to say Spatchcock more than anything yeah. else. Um, okay, so anyway, that's my, that's my plan to watch the game, so hopefully I don't get too embarrassed. We will be back next Thursday, the 6th of January, so Happy New Year. So you'll this whole podcast will come out Thursday, New Year's Eve's Friday. So if you set this podcast off at like, you'll know, 10.50 six on new year's eve as it comes into the new year's new year you'll hear me say happy new year so happy new year to all the uk ravens fans and listeners thank you for sticking with us this year please don't leave and yes we'll be back next thursday the 6th of january we're going to review that rams game we're going to catch up with any ravens covid related news and preview the steelers game the final sorry maybe not the final game the final regular season game of the year and yeah happy new year stay safe stay healthy as always if you'd like to be involved in the show please email us at ukravenshow at gmail.com and until next week let's go ravens thank you for listening to the uk ravens podcast this podcast is created hosted and produced by members of the uk ravens Join the community on social media at UK Ravens and Facebook.com forward slash UK Ravens. 
you haven't already, please subscribe to the UK Ravens podcast on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you listen to your favourite podcasts. To be involved with the show, email us at ukravenshow at gmail.com. For more info, links, and to stay up to date, visit www.ukravens.com. Go f*** yourself, guys.